You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, David Hall. Hey, hey. Greg Hectus. What up, guys? Hey, hey. Brian McCubbin. Hey, everybody. Good to be back. Welcome. And Justin Pearson. What's up, my friends? On the show today, the NASCAR game license may be up for grab. And how might this affect iRacing? iRacing continues to celebrate their anniversary in new ways, and we'll let you know about some nice end-of-summer sales for iRacing gear. And you can follow along with this in on your PC or mobile device in real time as you listen to the show and see for yourself all these great topics and discounts we'll be talking about by visiting iRacersLounge.com and selecting the show notes. So log on, and we'll see you there. What? iRacing is uh, going to the Circuit de la Danone, right? And uh, they posted in French, and I did my best at pronunciating it, or pronouncing it, just pronunciating, or like that other show that makes up new words, like fruition. Um, so, yeah. That's uh, what they posted. They posted it in French. I don't know if it should be Devinay or Devinaire because some the rules there are, are weird. But I think I said most of it right. But yeah, they're promoting a new course for the Circuit de Lennon. I won't even guess it. First word <laughs> is it Circuit Paul Ricard? Is that the name of it in English? I don't know if this is Paul Ricard. Is it? It's let it known. It's like right there on the on the. Yeah, it's not Ricard. Oh, on the sign it says let it known. Yeah, so it's not the Paul Ricard circuit. I I did a translation on that, and it's all it says is, "Can you guess what circuit this is?" <laughs> in French, as it says it right on the the picture. Yeah, exactly. Can you guess? It's only right there two times in the photo. So it should say, uh, "Can you read?" More, uh, you know, European tracks. It's pretty cool. Uh, let's get all of them on the service. Why not? Yeah, we have heard that they've been in Europe scanning tracks. So I guess it's just the latest in their uh, list of stuff that they've completed. Week 13 is coming soon, right? Week and a half or? Uh, yeah. aren't we, we're in either week 11 or 12 now. Yeah. Right. So that's going to be for the release. That's one of their teasers. Haven't seen any others this week, really. Well, they've been dribbling out quite a while, quite for quite a while now. Yep. Well, it just makes me think: Is this the time that rain's coming? Because we haven't seen a lot of content, you know, that they've been working on for this quarter. You're like those guys that predict the end of the world every <laughs> every two years. No, he's the reason we uh, have the soon clock. I was just gonna say he's the reason we have that soon clock. Um, Mike, I was just reading up on the website, uh, Circuit de 
Ledanon is located in the south of France. Uh, Circuit is a real roller coaster of a track which is up to 12 meters wide and a uh, beautiful, or it's beautifully situated on the hills. So I wonder if they're taking advantage of maybe having this using that uh, new new engine stuff that they kind of do with the designing of the tracks that they did on uh, what's the one that they the last build that they did. Um, I'm forgetting the name of it, but it's the the one in the valley. The one in California you're talking about, uh, I think. Yeah, I can't remember. I apologize for that. But um, yeah, they, they uh, I wonder if they're kind of because this is kind of the same type of uh, kind of track. They Willow kind of Springs. Willow Springs, that's what it is. Yeah, so they're taking advantage of maybe what they've learned building that when they get this. Well, you can definitely know that one thing that has streamlined this process is that uh, they have the mobile scanners now instead of having to set the lasers up, which is a which cuts down drastically on the amount of labor that has to be put into scanning a track. And they've never had more people on staff than now. So I'm sure, you know, more people means it goes quicker. Well, we're speaking of uh, season 12 about to, or season three, I mean, about to wrap up. Well, Connor Berry just wrapped up the iRacing off-road championship season, right, Brian? Yeah, so uh, Connor Berry actually wins consecutive years in the iRacing Off-Road Championship Series. Uh, he he uh, They had the double feature race this past uh, month, Tuesday or Wednesday night, yesterday, and he finished second and fourth and clinched the, clinched the championship pretty easily. Um, the actual winner for the race was Jacob Ralfson. We lost you. Connor Berry had a comfortable uh, lead um, and uh, took, took it uh, fairly easily to win his second straight off-road championship. So congratulations to Connor and maybe a three-peat next year. I watched the start of this race. It's what I do is I sit out here and watch YouTube and I'm subscribed to the iRacing channel. So this was on. God, these boys are rough in the beginning. They're door banging in the air. I've never seen anything like it. Well, that's the only time you can gain spots because once the initial start is over, like the first half lap, everyone is so fast. There's no passing, really. You know, they just lined up. That's the way I see it anyway. Sounds familiar. Like almost any road racing? Oh. Any racing right now. NASCAR? Just about any road racing, especially if they uh, the quali- they qualify uh, after the first couple of laps, your fastest cars are in front. So a slower car is definitely not going to pass a faster car, right? It's all about mistakes, and if they're not making mistakes, you know, then, yeah. Yeah, well, Crandon oh. is the um, Crandon's the land rush track, right? Where they start with the land rush, so you know, that's going to be bank mm. bonkers. Right. All right, the next one's interesting. Where it's another one of those places where the real world's kind of crossing over into the iRacing world, and um, you all know we follow a lot of the Dale Junior podcast. I didn't get to watch this video, but I have listened to both of the both the Tuesday and Thursday episodes where they they talked on the road about their impressions. And what they did is they went to test the Mazda MXs, the Miatas, at Martinsville. And he actually talked about how his experience in iRacing kind of helped, particularly with how easy the wheel is to turn because it's got really strong uh, 
power steering, right? But he, he doesn't run he doesn't run on Mike's level of of force feedback. So uh, it was it was pretty interesting. Uh, I I'm curious if it'll put on a good race because it's even lower horsepower and more. Uh, I don't know about the traction, but the, those are really low horsepower cars, and they are shifting. Don't. Isn't there a Mazda race that's run charity wise for like a 24 hour event on our racing every year at Martinsville? So I was about to say, I don't know if this is connected. I was listening to the Parker Kligerman and Lana Castle podcast today. And this idea all got started by a streamer on iRacing and it came about. And you guys might have known this already. So I don't know if that was it, what you were talking about, Greg. I just remember one year that I want to say it was at least at least a 12 hour event, but I remember because um, I remember there was one streamer that was going to run the whole thing. And, you know, they kind of like the guy that does the Daytona race where he tries to do it, the Rolex and does it for charity. I can't remember one specifically, but it, it, there definitely would be no reason for it not to have happened. Well, this is the other thing too. Like, so when, you know, you're Dale Earnhardt and you get the phone call, do you want to come try this? You know, I don't, I don't remember. Did he say anything in the interviews? I can't even remember from the show. Did he try it on iRacing before he went out to do this test or is he just going off his past experience with iRacing? He actually didn't specifically say he tried the track combo this week, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's tried it in the past. No, but after reading the long-form article at sportsnot.com and watching Dale Jr.'s video, this idea was sprung from iRacing. Now, it doesn't say specifically why, but uh, admit that. Um, and Dale Jr. talks about that a little bit. He's like, you know, there's so the cool thing about iRacing is that you can try these odd combinations. You know, you can take a road car and run it on an oval, or you can do vice versa, or you can, you know, take an F1 car and put it on dirt, you know, that kind of thing. And and so sometimes you stumble along a good combination and, and, and running these, uh, these little Mazda cup cars at an, a, a short oval seems to click. And so he was talking about IMSA and NASCAR trying to get this series to come oval racing. They currently do road racing and maybe uh, turn it into, uh, you know, a pre-event before the NASCAR race. You know, you have the Xfinity race in the afternoon. So maybe you'll have the, the Mazda cars, you know, right before as a pre-event kind of thing. So I, I just had an idea hit me since just with this and since we have a special episode coming up we should do like a 400 lap race with this at either martinsville or bristol or a 300 lap race it's 400 is it 400 oh i must have i'm behind that's because you've missed about 100 episodes the last two years that's true so mike jr also i I was gonna say he also said the regulars would probably smoke them but it would be fun for him and maybe some other kind of NASCAR stars who, you know, come into these one-off oval events and, you know, promote it that way. I'm paraphrasing, of course, but that's kind of what he said. Kind of reminds me if they did this, if they brought like some celebrities or things in it, they would, what they used to do at Long Beach when they used to do the Celica races uh, on the same weekend that they raced uh, the IndyCars at Long Beach. One of the challenges... 
that I ran into with the sports cars is after getting used to the GTE car, then to go and like try the roar in the two point the two point four in in a Mazda again. It's such a momentum car compared to the GT that it was it was just it's not the same discipline. So they're learning stuff from iRacing. So you heard it here first. Uh, NASCAR is going to adapt the uh, X's system and the safety rating, right? That's what we're going to go to next. We talked about that last week, actually. How funny, <laughs> how funny it would be if they actually got disqualified on those X's. Speaking of people who need to be disqualified from, from the, the sports gaming world, MSG's uh, financial reports are looking bleak as the company tries to sell off their NASCAR license. Yeah, this has been this meeting happened, uh, and there's been a lot of information. Uh, we got videos uh, by Black Flags Matter uh, about what happening specifically with the IndyCar license. Um, like we've said before, um, there's a group out of Australia that is actually working on it, and there's actually code and people have seen screenshots and video of indie cars on track so there is something there to release it's just a matter of will this company be alive to release it so we'll get into that in a little bit um race department uh put up um more information about the quarter uh financial results and you know, they're using the word, the reports are in, they do not look optimistic. Now, I went through some of these videos, I wrote down some of the numbers they were talking about here, and, and just put on your financial hat for a second and listen to these numbers. So, if you recall, just about exactly one year ago, we heard that they weren't gonna make it till the end of the year without some money and infusion, some cash. And this some investor actually came and bailed them out. I don't, we don't know about that. But that brought them enough money to get to the point where we're at now. Now, of that money, in the very first quarter of 2023, the first three months, they spent $8.9 as a group. Then um, they had $2 million left in their coffers as of June 30th. And they had 1.4 million as of july 31st okay so in one month 600,000 so at that rate they're going to be out of money by october okay mike strama was reporting that the nascar license sales is in the final stages but he doesn't know who the buyer specifically is but it is speculated that it is a well-known company in the gaming industry and so um Radman is the, guess, the guy who did a video. He speculated EA um, with as a publisher with a, a coder called Cody. And he also speculated iRacing as a pub publisher with Monster as the coding. Uh, or as third guess was a company called Milestone. But he landed on iRacing as a publisher with Monster as the developer. He thinks that's where it's going to land. So we got three or four videos here. I kind of paraphrased all the information uh, from those a little bit as I read that to you. But boy, this is big news. The NASCAR license is definitely sold. We just it hasn't been released. Which company is buying it? So the problem with the and I'm hoping it does. If 
if EA takes it, because I think EA owns part of Codemaster now too, which is the F1 um, maker. So they make pretty good racing games. So maybe they can use it. But I just hope that if EA gets involved in it, they don't have the exclusive rights to it because that could really affect us um, racing-wise. I'm hoping on the other end, it is iRacing that takes over, takes it over and just publishes it as their other commodity, their console game that they, you know, adding to the repertoire of console games because, I don't know, we, we can't afford to have EA doing it again. EA was did a really, really bad job near the end of their life cycle in the, in the NASCAR games back in the day on the, on PlayStation 2 and, and stuff like that. And play, I don't even know if it got to PlayStation 3. It might have. Even if they got, even if they did manage to get iRacing or get uh, exclusive rights for just the console, there's no way that NASCAR is going to let, let iRacing get screwed over on the cup cars. There's the Coke series. There's... I mean, Dell Jr. is part of iRacing. It's I just there. I don't see any way that they would let something like what happened with IndyCar happen. By what you're saying there, David, that makes me believe that it's not EA Sports at all. Then just just because the way EA does stuff, they want they want to monetize it by having you pay for extra things and all this stuff they would want as much money out of as they possibly can that's why i'm thinking it's not valuable enough to them with it just being the console part of it without having exclusive rights to it i'm kind of glad this article came up you i looked up their stock prices five years ago is 300 dollars a share it's 425 now four dollars and 25 cents now <laughs> I mean, I might want to invest if EA or any kind of name that picks it up with clout, it's going to. They're not buying this company. They're buying the license, the NASCAR license away from them. And so Motorsports Game is going to just walk away with some cash. That's all. Now, here's the thing. There's other. Remember our good friend, Justin Melillo, friend of the podcast? We used him all the time for the Coke race, getting uh, uh, information about the race. He's been he's been uh, working for motorsports.com or, uh, well, the motorsports uh, parent group who owns motorsports games. I understand that they uh, fired everybody. They laid everybody off. Um, including Justin Melillo, who is a, a, a writer for Traxian.gg, I believe. And so that was his job, and he lost his job recently. Um, and everyone else who works at that part of the company, and apparently that part of the company has been sold off. And so Motorsports Games is all by itself at this point. It's not part of a big parent company anymore. Um, all the other... Uh, media type businesses that were under that umbrella have been sold and everyone has been fired. So it really, really looks like this, this company's winding down to, to nothing. Um, as we said, they don't have enough money to get past October. And the other thing is, as Justin disappointed out who in their right mind would put money into this company right now. I mean, somebody did it exactly 12 months ago. And and they lost every penny of their money. 
that I want to know what that sales I want to know what that sales pitch was that got him to invest. Well, now they got to find another, you know, uh, sugar daddy. Okay, there's a title idea, sugar daddy. <laughs> Motorsport sugar daddy. Like the sugar daddy. How about MSG needs a sugar daddy? They do. So the the outstanding question will that IndyCar game ever make the light of day? The guy who does the Radman video, he uh, he thinks because it's so far along, there's probably no way it's not gonna make the light of day. Either motorsports games will will get it out before they close, because they will probably close, or somebody will buy up what remains of that game and hopefully distribute it. Now he also mentioned uh, a dream scenario. He really felt like Indy iRacing and Monster Games is getting the NASCAR license. They already have it. They're probably already working on the game behind the scenes. Um, he One reason he said for that is, what has Monster Games been working on in 2023 besides the World of Outlaw update, which was already put out? I mean, they haven't been doing anything. So, I mean, there's got to be something they're doing on the backside. So, anyway, there's that. He said, look, what if they could get the IndyCar license as well? And then you look at iRacing and Monster Games as a group. They have the console side of most of motorsports and, uh, and then the PC side. So it's, it's kind of a, a, would be a, a really neat thing if they could get both. But it's really unknown um, what's going on. Well, fingers crossed. We'll see. Let's go ahead and hit the next topic. Uh, iRacing is looking into customer research. Uh, tell us a little bit about this one, Justin. Yeah, iRacing is sending out emails, I, I read, um, from to current um, customers and ex-customers um, that's left the service and pretty much getting a survey of, you know, pros and cons. Yeah, just a heads up, you might be getting the email. <laughs> These are good for a company to have to try to figure out what do they need to adjust. Sometimes they get this, you know, tunnel vision because they, they're too close to it. You know, they they live it every day. They work there every day and they're just too close to the product. And so it's good to reach out and get unsolicited feedback kind of thing. Uh, you know, Verizon does that, you know, where I work. Um, they do it with the employees, you know, they have quarterly questionnaires that are kind of like this where we can tell them what we think, you know. <laughs> I just hope they're asking the right questions because sometimes these can be tailored, the research can be tailored the wrong way and, you know, get the wrong information that they don't need. And I hope it's something that you can kind of add your own stuff into it as well. That's funny. I got the email. You did. <laughs> Yeah. Well, let us know what, what you think did of the questions. Did they just send it to everybody or just a few people? It doesn't indicate it going to everybody. Yeah. We've asked an independent research agency, agency think, think Tank Research to conduct an online one-hour video interviews in August 2023. Uh, qualify, you'll receive, oh, you'll receive a $100 Amazon gift card. Damn. That's worth it. Yeah, I think they're just sending out random, is my guess, to random members, or maybe they're looking for certain parameters for members. Um, it's probably new and but, old. Um, it's probably different years. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. They they know everybody's information, so they're probably saying, "I want somebody this between this and this, uh, been on the service this many times, or something like that." So, um, they're, they're, I'm sure they're doing this pretty in a smart way. And to your point, Greg, um, you know, it doesn't make sense to do this and then ask questions that. Um, that lead them to the answers they want to get. So hopefully they're smart enough not to do what you were suggesting. And I mean, it's a good, it's a good point because, you know, there is a lot of, uh, a lot of companies who will be happy to uh, do some kind of research like that to get answers that they want to hear um, just to make themselves look good. But hopefully they want it for the right reasons. If they do, they'll be asking the right questions. I'm not part of the thing, but I've heard, I've heard about the the NASCAR questionnaires that go out to people, and from what I've heard from that, that's a whole cluster of problems, the way that they ask the questions uh, in it. And I hear it obviously isn't getting the answers that's helping them in their products some days too. But I mean, you know, it's, it's, just, it's just questions, right? So, it, you know, you're never going to get uh, the right answer for everything, and everybody's different. Literally any research paper or uh, or survey can be basically um, almost it can basically be hacked by just arranging the questions in a way that uh, gets you the answers you want. All right. And, and there's a lot of a lot of researchers. They know what answer they want and they shade their questions to get that answer rather than try right. to set up an actual scientific survey. Yeah, that happens a lot with like political polling and stuff like that, where they want to get a certain answer. So they phrase the question a certain way that they'll, they'll get the answer that they're looking for. Not even political polling, re- re- medical research as well. And, uh, you know, psychological research, psychiatric research. Yeah, but here's the thing. iRacing is coming up with the questions. They're trying to learn what needs to be adjusted. What do we need to do differently? So I don't know if, if they're playing those kind of games or not, but. We'll see. Right. Uh, we'll have Justin go through it and see what he thinks. The, the only thing that I'm curious about is if they're ask if if this is spurred on by some kind of um, in uh, participation or reputation or something like that. We're now or uh, racing feeling like uh, oh we got something's going wrong here. We need to find out what it is. I don't think that lines up with the coverage we had last week on the on the numbers with the peaks and the yeah, fact there's that lots still of growing at a high rate. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, gonna say Justin, when, when you do, uh, if you do do the uh, thing, record it so that you can we can see what kind of questions they are. Yeah, Brian, you did this video. Yeah, I can do Sorry. that. I'll figure it out. Brian, I don't know if you listened, but last week we did cover the numbers post COVID and pre COVID, and even though there was a huge spike in in uh, the COVID year that went back down, the increase rate still stayed higher post-COVID than it did pre-COVID. Yeah, I got you. I didn't listen to the show last week, but I did edit the story. And I remember seeing that graph with a gigantic spike at the beginning of COVID. But the, the, you're right. The numbers did continue to climb once that spike came back down. All right. Next item is protesters getting protested. And this is uh, something if you're ever going to protest somebody and you cuss them out, make sure you don't put that in the replay or just don't cuss them out. <laughs> one of the two. All right. I've always been pretty careful about that, that I, I my replays will cut off really close at the end because after they you know pull out onto the track in front of me or something, I, I'd leave out the part where I said said nasty words to them. 
but the Nathan Stacy, uh, he was dinged by iRacing because he sent in a video protesting somebody, and he left in his uh, his naughty words against the driver. So they dinged him as well. I think it was just a warning, but almost anything you get just a warning. It's good that it's working. At least they're keeping people accountable for it. So I don't know. I just, I think it's a good thing. I, it sucks that. I, I don't is is he trying to get anything from this post? I can't really understand. He's just or is he just telling people not to do it as a warning? I think it comes off he, as a warning. He was, yeah, he was just kind of mad. I think, but that it happens. But right. uh, you know, well, hey, I'm the one sending in the protest. <laughs> right, he's probably mad to start off with because his race got ruined for whatever reason, and uh, after submitting it, he's you know he gets a. It turns out he's the one who's getting part of the penalties or whatever or the reprimand whatever happened to him and they they will ding you if they they catch attention on anything you do because uh if you happen to be in a race with with an admin whether you know they are or not uh you 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 start cussing up a storm and they'll mute you right on the spot and then file a protest on you later so let me ask this david you file a protest against greg and send it in to nim cross nim cross is watching David and Greg get into a wreck and whatnot, but he hears a third party that's not even part of it. Brian McCubbin cussing on the radio. Is Nim Cross going to write up uh, Brian McCubbin for cussing, even though he wasn't actually protested just because he witnessed it? He still committed the crime. I could see them kind of doing it. I would think they would, too. So it's not just, you know, they're going to pick on the guy who sends in the protest. It's anybody they see breaking the sporting code on any video that they look at. They're going to probably write you up. There's a flaw in your story there, Mike, though. That's David protesting me. I've never been protested, so that would be the first time. (laughs) I I don't see an incident between me and David happening. And quite frankly, I've never seen really Greg do anything protestable. (laughs) Just help him out there, so... Well, I'm I'm guilty of some stuff. I just I don't know. Maybe my reputation doesn't let me people do it. I'm Canadian. They don't want to. I say sorry. 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 Well, something that might not get you protested, Brian, is crazy names. Yeah, this uh, comes out of the forums. Um, uh, um, Kevin. Le- posted this. He said, uh, what are the craziest profile names on iRacing that you've seen? Um, he started his list of crazy names that he's seen on iRacing. Uh, he said uh, he found, he saw a guy named Giant Waffle, uh, Pinky Jenny, The One, and the various McScrap Paddle. So uh, those are his weird names that he's seen. It's pretty interesting. Um, so, uh, how about you guys? Uh, have you seen any strange profile names in iRacing? Who, who wrecked me? The one. The one. I thought you had to use your name unless you were in a league. Yeah, that's what I was oh. thinking when I saw this. It's like, uh, you, don't you have to use your legal name when you when you sign up? Well, I always thought it was derivative from the credit card that you used to pay. Because you remember you have the... The kids with mommy's credit card, and they end up with mommy's name as their their screen name. But would it allow the one on a credit card? I don't know. But looking down the thread, some people, other people say crash neon, garlic baquette, 
uh, Glenn Watkins. Mike, you'll you'll know this one, or you maybe even David. I think you've probably raced with them. The one that I always think of that I think is funny and just kind of ironic is is Waldo, the guy that has the Waldo car in the race. Yeah, I see him a lot more than you do because uh, I'm, I'm usually in his splits. We have some uh, pretty fun names in OBRL for some of the drivers, and they're 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 a lot of fun too. Um, so I uh, I kind of. I kind of like this. This, uh, I mean, uh, we, you see this in console games all the time because everybody can make whatever profile name they want. You know, you, you used to see the ones like Pork Shop and all those goofy ones like that. But I racing, I don't, I don't come across, across them hardly at all, though. What, you, you're talking in about league. Like, in the league, you can run yeah, any name. in the league, yeah, yeah. What you don't like my gamer tag when I game game uh, Brian of uh, biased cactus. <laughs> no, that's all right. I thought it was frozen cactus. <laughs> I couldn't. I didn't have frozen cactus at the time when I was a kid. I did buy. For some reason, I did bias cactus. I have no idea. Hmm. When you when you that was like a, an old like three sixty Xbox three sixty account. Well, mine comes from the from the uh, fact that I do sound engineering. Actually, my gamer tag does. All right, since we're talking about. Back in the day, let that moves us on, Mike, to the classic screenshots post. Well, as part of the 15th anniversary, which I actually think it's today, um, as we record, uh, iRacing put up yesterday, hey, post some of the oldest screenshots you have of iRacing. And boy, what a thread. I was just scrolling it, seeing what everyone has put up. And man, there's a few blasts from the past, <laughs> as you, you call it. Uh, some people putting up uh, pictures of their uh, original rigs, you know, with the G27s and such. Pretty cool. I was looking, I was going to participate. I was looking for a picture of my first rig, but I couldn't find it because I got like 13,000 photos on my phone. My current screenshots folder only goes back to 2020. So do you guys have pictures from when you first started? I have some pictures from the, I think actually the old R Factor days that I could probably pull up and I might, but I don't think I really did much custom painting in iRacing back then. I, I was I was just gonna say the camera quality on a phone back in two thousand eight two thousand nine when I started wasn't probably the greatest. Maybe that's why I don't have any screenshots of it or like pictures from outside my computer. I might have I have pictures of the cars I used to race back then of the paint jobs. Right. I think if we went on to our Facebook group to FOSI Racing and go to the pictures and go to the very beginning, that goes back pretty far for me. I, I mean, I, I probably raced two or three years before I got on that team. So there are so and many I'm on my 10 year. Yeah. There's so many pictures on that thread that if you want to go look for something two days ago, you, you can't find it. I think, I think the, the, one screenshot here, Mike, on our, our image here from way above of Lime Rock. That is like, <laughs> that is the oldest feeling track in this, like the way the old track is just, it reminds me the most because I've raced so many times on the uh, Solstice there. Oh, yeah. It's a classic for sure. Now, I'll bring this up now. The, uh, iRacing also put out a video. It didn't make the script. It came out only like an hour or two ago before recording of an eight-minute video of our CEO, Dave Kamer, who does, who's a tire guy, uh, talking about, you know, what does it mean to 
be with iRacing for 15 years. And he actually says, I've been with iRacing longer than that. And he shows pictures of him as a child in a little, you know, racing uh, thing with a steering wheel and stuff. And this is when iRacing started, you know, when I was a kid. And he talked about some of his personal racing history, how he went to Lime Rock once at a skippy and he actually wrecked the car right after hiring Tony Gardner to be his CEO. Um, he thought, oh my, what is Tony thinking of me? I just joined this company and a few days later, uh, the guy died, kills himself in a race car. But apparently he didn't get hurt and everything was okay. I think I, I wish I could find, maybe I should try and find the uh, the image that got me started on iRacing. I, I had a issue of PC Gamer Magazine and it had an ad for iRacing in it. Um, and that's what kind of turned me on to what iRacing was. I went to visit the site and then I, I it was a free trial, I think, for a couple days or whatever. I did that and then um, got into it after that, like real hardcore, <laughs> was racing like four or five times a night, every night. And that will lead us right into the next uh, topic here, which is they also are offering 60% off of new accounts right now. So if you want to join iRacing with a new account through August 31st, the end of the month, 60% off. That's 80 bucks a year, guys. That's a real, that's as good as it gets, actually. Now, don't question. When you purchase that, that adds on to your... So say you got three months left. No, no I, I said it four ship. times. New account, new account. Uh, oh, I got you. I got you. you remind me of my students. <laughs> they, only give, they only give uh, members that are already members at Black Friday the discount. The rest of the year, they give new member discounts. Yeah. But right. You can get a, a similar discount. Yeah. This would be a good time to start a second account, though. If you wanted one, right. If you were wanting a second account, now is the time for sure. I can't, I can't afford the first account. Why would I want two? Does any of us have two? No, we're not rich. I wanted to say Kyle on our team was going to do two because he was going to stream the outside of the car, wasn't he, when he was doing his streaming? Yeah, I think he talked about it. I don't know if he did it. But wait till Black Friday. That's the best time to renew. Uh, even if you don't need to renew, it'll just, like you said, Justin, it just tacks on to whatever you already have. So you're not wasting anything by renewing. But, you know, I always do the two year, you know, and just get it. And because I know I'm not, I'm going to do it. And so it really gets you down to the lowest possible price per month you can be. So I've, I've never really paid attention. It doesn't, iRacing doesn't really up the price very much over time. It hasn't really increased crazy. It hasn't, you know, you considering inflation right now and everything else. And uh, it's great that they haven't raised prices. And, and when they have, I, I do remember there's been a time we were all welcome here on the podcast. We were like, oh yeah, we'll pay whatever they need. You know, if they need more money, we'll pay it. You got to remember, they ran as a not-for-profit for many years, you know, propped up by John Henry from Roush Fenway. See, that's the kind of thing that Monster was trying to do and could never get it off the ground. They need to get a game out, and then they might have been able to make some profit. We got to remember, iRacing is a perfect storm the way it came out because of John Henry, because you have a billionaire to, to fund it, you know. 
it survived. It survived all the hard financial times, you know, and now they're thriving better than ever. They're, they are for profit at this point. All right, Brian, we've got a late model update. Yeah, guys. So, uh, Monday was round seven of the World of Outlaw Butt Kicker Late Model Series. Um, they were visiting um, Williams Grove Speedway, which is in my virtual backyard, I guess. Um, and uh, coming into the race, uh, Evan C continued to dominate through the season, uh, had a decent lead. Um, Blake Majulis winds up taking the win, though, this time. So their teammates, Blake and Evan C, are both teammates. Um, Blake actually um, had two two really bad weeks coming up to this. Otherwise, he he was having a really solid season as well. But um, very good race. Um, tough passing at Williams Grove. It's a it's a it's a good sized half mile track, but it's got long straightaways and tight turns. And the tight turns kind of once once the lane once the bottom lane went away, it was pretty much a single lane track. So. Um, you know, they had some good action though, but just really hard to compete a pass. You, know, you try to go low, and then the outs person running the outside would always just have too much speed coming off the exit to get to clear a pass. Um, but they stayed really uh, clean for the most part as well. Um, so uh, Evan C did finish second in the race to continue his streak of podium finishes, dating back almost two complete seasons now, um, and he and he actually extends his uh, lead in the series uh so so after uh week seven uh mc has uh, almost 80 exactly uh 80 point leader over logan rumsey who's in second and kendall tucker third in points right now so uh blake majulis moved up the fourth after his couple of bad performances um but really it's it's looking like it's evan C's, uh season again um who knows it, it looks like uh he's gonna go back to back in all in all uh, likelihood um really solid season again man just podium finish after podium finish after podium finish uh, and um yeah it's gonna be tough uh, this week is round eight so uh, they're actually gonna be going to uh the house that e earl built um at eldora speedway so uh that should be a fun race that race gets really wide um lots of lots of grooves on that race so we'll check out round eight and see if evan c can continue his domination of this um of this uh league here of this um series and we'll, we'll uh see if anybody can take him out and uh, get a win right very impressive and we'll wrap topics up, Justin, with a little talk about a Moza contest. Yeah, Moza put out a, I, I think you call it a tweet now. I don't have Twitter or X, whatever it's called. Count your races in the iRacing Formula C Moza Racing Delara F3 Series fixed as our season four wraps up and win a race. And they got a contest here. Yeah, you just got to put the logo on your F3 car. Uh, you run you can qualify for second and third prizes with 10 races uh, or 20 races for the first prize extra races means extra entry so the more you run now this is official racing formula c as they call it uh the third way to enter is post your car's uh paint scheme with the moza racing logo using the hashtag moza racing f3 championship and your iRacing username and tag us 
and you'll get some Moza gear. I mean, that's what the what you can win. They don't say specific. Oh yeah, they do. The base and the wheel is uh, first prize. Handbrake is the second. Shifter is the third. If I want a wheelbase, what would I do? Build a second rig, or I'd probably sell it and buy a video card. Get motion. Podcast housekeeping, leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform to make it easier for more listeners to find us. Mention that podcast to your fellow drivers so they don't miss out. We do appreciate it. Check us out over at Discord and get involved. We got a lot of stuff going over there. Get the community going. Uh, Bobby Jonas, one of our teammates, just revamped our Discord a little bit and reorganized. So hopefully we get some more people involved. Check out iRacersLounge.com for the script. We're also in regular rotation at Performance Motorsports Network. All right, it's time for the fantasy talk, Brian, and we have an in-house winner. Actually, we have a, a tie for first place, and it's a double in-house winner. Um, first place is uh, Steve Allen, and he tied with uh, Dwayne Blue Tranny, who is actually, I believe, Steve Thompson. So, <laughs> so I think it's actually two of you guys who are top the top charts this past week. Um, third place was <laughs> third place is ALJ 14. Uh, we also had uh, Tyler Williamson, Fat Boy 1990, who was in the top 10. He finished eighth for the week. So good job to Tyler. When we move to the overall oh, standings, mm-hmm. we have a uh, Canadian still take, still in first place in the league, 120 point lead over team on North South racing, finishing in third at this point. Um, Still, uh, still looking for a. Uh, we have TGI Racing. Our friend uh, Tony Gross is in ninth place. So good job for Tony. Seems like the I Canadians... have a question. Oh, sorry, you first. You first. Uh, I was gonna say it seems like the Canadians always seem to uh, come out on top on the uh, <laughs> the list here. Where was I at? Because I had William Byron as a starter. Got to have all five going, I guess. I got a question though. If, if you're a NASCAR Jedi and you force push the car in front of you instead of actually using your bumper, do you still get a 1X? Isn't that called net code? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I wanted to mention Steve Llewellyn. The net code is with paused, you. He paused his uh, membership on our team because he sold all his uh, sim racing equipment. <laughs> uh He's got uh, his kid coming to live with him, apparently. And so he needed to come up with something, and that's what he's doing. So, Steve, you're welcome back on the team anytime to let us know when everything works out. Well, he's still active in the chat, so he's effectively a a uh, member on leave, I guess would Spectator. be the word. On pause, as I call it. So let's talk about the NASCAR race, like Watkins Glen, eh, meh. Uh, it wasn't like the other road course races for some reason for me anyway. I respected it. It was just a straight up race. We had a better car won. Yeah, I was gonna say, uh, it's like it was a very Formula One as far as the racing went. Um, not a typical NASCAR Wackenland um, race. And that car is way too aero dependent, and that track is too fast. That's what's gonna happen at that track, and. 
Uh, and with no tire fall off, it just is just impossible. And the, and the car is just not good on road courses or short tracks this year or last year. Well, didn't I, I heard the suggestion? I, I can't believe someone actually made the suggestion that I think it was on Dorval Berkeley. Do they go straight to the eighth generation quicker now and just forget about this car and start designing H? And I'm like, you think of the investment they've already put in this car. They haven't even paid off this car. Well, they're testing a lot of stuff, but they can't implement it till next year because it's because so many parts are uh, one manufacturer. They're all OEM. They can't they they're spec, so they can't just tell everybody, "Hey, do, change, make this change." They have to go to a manufacturer and get it get it all specked out. Um, I don't know if I like all this the spec crap at the top level because it, it may be saving money, but it sure is making the sport less agile on certain things. I just I just want to see them try try in a test with say like eight cars with more horsepower just to see like that's the one that bothers me the most is that they're they're just trying to fix an aero issue on tracks that aren't that aero dependent and then it's just I don't know I I just want them to the car to be so much better and so much harder to drive and it just for the bit for like you said david for the top level it's not hard on them my personal opinion i think once they went to fatter tire that's what ruined it they'll never go back to a smaller tire though i know they have to go to a softer tire maybe a bigger sidewall but i think last i heard if they went to a bigger sidewall it would be they'd have to re still redesign around the fenders because trying to get that tire to fit in there so if I'm king of NASCAR, I'm going to add more horsepower, like Greg said, but I'm going to lift these cars up off the ground, okay? So the, the, the underforce, downforce from the underneath, whatever you want to call it, that's what's killing it, for I think. And, and so what you do is you do a minimum height rule, like we used to have, where it takes that away. You're, hey, you got to run these things four inches off the ground. I just don't understand... Sorry. Um, I don't understand why they built a car with that diffuser knowing I know what it's for now and what they're trying to do for it. It would be good for the road courses, but the diffuser on a, it, it should have never had all that underbody stuff. I know they want it all because the teams fool around with underneath the car a lot. Um, that's why they went to a, a standard floor, but I just wish they would, would have never designed it with that, that bottom. I make a standard floor that's not giving downforce. <laughs> you know what I mean? So let's talk Daytona. I mean, it's going to be chaos. I mean, I'm looking forward to the Chase Elliott explosion. You know, Alan Gustafson, Chase Elliott, they're under the biggest pressure ever to win. They're not going to do it, and it's going to be fun to watch. You know that car is going to be illegal in every aspect that they can possibly get away with. It is going to sit on the pole. It's probably going to run two or three tenths fa or hundredths faster than everybody else. Well, NASCAR is going to check it, you would think. I, I'm, Greg's starting to sound like a conspiracy theorist, and you're supposed to be a Hendrick fan. Come on. I am a Hendrick fan, and I, I, I don't care what happened last week. You know, they made a mistake. I don't, the people thinking you're going to fire a crew chief and, and going after him, like, <laughs> it's, just, it's just ridiculous. If Chase misses the playoffs chase misses the playoffs it's on his own it's his own it's his own fault 
Right. Yep. The reason is he broke his leg. Okay. We got to go back to that. He broke his leg snowboarding. That's the reason they missed the playoff. I don't know in any other sport where, you know, you could, you know, say you, uh, I don't know what's, I don't know what the percentage of races he misses in the season was, but say it's even like 10%. Imagining forfeiting in a, in a, in football, forfeiting 10% of the season, you're done. You don't get a chance to, with a win to get into the playoffs or thing. They, he's given all the opportunities he want, was uh, able to. He just hasn't come through. Michael McDowell was better than him on the track that he probably could have won at it in Indy, and he was probably still not going to win on sun, last Sunday either, um, even if he had the right fuel in his car. But it's it, it's him and Bowman both are penalized because of injuries this year, and that's just what it's, it is. And then what about Bubba? You know, is he going to choke in his moment that he needs to make something happen? It is going to be the wildest race I think we'll ever, we've ever seen. I, we, what was that one year? It was the Austin Dillon one, and there was only like 12 or 15 cars left, and he was pushed by a car that was wrecked and to, to try and get the win. Yeah. So I just feel like there's, I feel like there's not going to be very many cars left. But if if a car wins that's not in the playoffs right now, that would bump Bubba out, right? It yep. would, yeah. So he's got to be aggressive. You know, he needs to be there at the end and right. try to win it. Uh, yeah. Uh, the other thing with Daytona is, uh, well, not just Daytona, but here as we go into the postseason, I just feel like Denny Hamlin is this his year finally? He feel it just feels like he's he's hitting on all cylinders. He's hot when he needs to be hot. Um, he had a great he race. Yeah, you're right. He always chokes. Or he picks a fight with somebody. But I'm, I'm almost tempted to say this might be Denny's year. Like, like you were just mentioning there, though. Like this playoff, does you know, it, it feels different this year. Like last year, what did they have? They had 15 winners last year, but going into the playoffs or something like that, or or did they have all 16? I can't remember, but. It just feels like there's no one, there's no momentum week to week for who it is. There's some people that are up front, but there is no rhyme or reason of who's racing good. Martin Truex has been good and then had some terrible races. And it's just, it's, it's going to be a tough, tough to get out of each round. Metro Ford of Chicago delivers to you. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, we have over 160 vehicles in stock. Living large or strapped for cash, good credit, no credit, doesn't matter. It's all good at Metro Ford of Chicago. We offer easy financing and guaranteed credit approval. Visit eMetroFord.com to view our complete inventory and tell them Patrick sent you. Metro Ford of Chicago, serving Chicagoland and beyond for over 35 years. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. All right, let's talk some hardware software that is presented by Metro Ford of Chicago. And Mike, we have another review of the active pedals from SimuCube. That is crazy. Yeah, this uh, SimSport gadget gets a YouTube video. And the very beginning of the video says it all. When he picks up the pedal and it's got so much heft to it and he kind of drops it down on the desk and you can you hear the clunk. 
I mean, it's heavy, it's metal, it's big, it's, it's robust. It's $6,000 for three of them. <laughs> anyway, he talks about what he thinks about it. Uh, and of course, you know, his, his impressions are, it's great. Um, you know, he loves the software, the fact that you can do different profiles. Um, if you're, if you're feeling ABS breaking that, that's really big. Yeah. Other pedals really don't have, um, yeah. Um, so, so I've seen a few reviews on, on the active pedals now and every single one basically boils down to one thing. It's like, is, is this awesome pedal worth the cost? I mean, nobody's had any really thing bad to say about it. They're all super amazed and impressed by it. The question always comes down to, is it worth the price that they're asking for? So um, I didn't watch this particular video, so I didn't get to that part. Well, I'm sure that was a, uh, a consideration uh, in this because it happens in every review I've seen of these pedals. Yeah, at the four-minute mark, he shows off the um, separate throttle pedal, a load cell throttle pedal that you can buy for $369 to go with the one active pedal to keep the cost down. So, it, it, you know, that's the most affordable way to get into this is you just buy one active pedal for the brake, you forget about a clutch, and then you buy the $369 load cell pedal for throttle to go with it, and then a base plate. Or if you wanted a clutch, you could just uh, grab another load cell. Well, the $369 for one pedal of load cell, it seems like a high price, but you want this stuff to match. I mean, I do anyway. I want it. I don't want a Heiskenveld clutch and a, a semi-cube pedal. And I, yeah, I, I just, that throws off my OCD bad. So what's the price of a th of three set of, of, of Huskinville's isn't it around nine hundred? Yeah, nine hundred. I guess that would be about right then. Yeah. If I were to go that Point. route, I would probably put put get the load cell for both sides, and put the brake in the middle. Just just remember how many USB ports and stuff you're using to plug these things in when you start adding that different types of pedals. Well, depending on your base, I mean, if you have a uh, one of the modern Moza bases or um, Asetek bases. Both of those have nice USBs on the back of them that feed back to the computer. So you can like plug in four or five things in the back of the base and just have one cable to the computer. There's also powered hubs that, that I already have to use because I've got the wheels and, and the uh, flight sticks plugged in. <laughs> yep. It's funny, we were having a conversation the other day about if I was to do the Indy 500 and then jump on the flight sim and simulate a flight from Atlanta to, I mean, from Indy to Charlotte and then jump in and run the 600. That would be hilarious next year. You got to do it. It would not be that long of a flight, though, because I have an F-18, you know, and if, if I, so it's... No, we have to get you flight Microsoft Flight Simulator. You have to do it in a commercial... <laughs> Jet. You need a Cessna, like a Tony. Yes, a Tony a Cessna. Or something. Yes. Yeah. They're probably only, what is it, only an hour? Two hours for them to fly with one of those? Let me get back to you on it while uh, while Brian tells us about the Asher shell. Yeah, um, one last quick thing. Um, is there going to be an Indy 500 to do? <laughs> That's only, that might be a bigger gotcha, problem than the plane. It's, it's looking like it's more, uh, more and more likely. 
<laughs> so uh, Asher is offering their summer sale coming up where you can get 10% discount on selected products in their shop. If you use the code SUMMER2023 at the checkout, and it goes into September 17th. Um, and you can also get featured on their channel uh, if you tag them or on your post by user uh, hashtag Asher Racing. So, uh, so a little bit of discount on Asher's uh, wheels. Mike, uh, I know you're a big fan of this this particular wheel. I am. Every time I see this, it's eye candy. Look, if I had VR, this is the wheel to get. Because the reason I got the Q controls was all the lights and the fancy LEDs and all that, you know, fluff. But like, if I'm David and I have VR on, I can't see any of that stuff. So what's the point, you know? But this wheel has got some neat looking buttons on them. They look like real race car. It looks like a real race car steering wheel. That's why I love it. I mean, you get in a real race car, they don't have all the LED fluff. It's just a pretty straightforward wheel, and this is one of them. Really good deal. Nobody yeah, this, wants the fluff. Yeah, the fluff is for your friends when you're in VR, so you can show off. That's what the fluff is for. Title idea. Right. But now uh, we've we've seen reviews on this this wheel, and, and everybody has raved about it. Um, Booster Media, I know, did it. Um, so it's an excellent wheel. And uh, right now, you can get 10% off of it. So check it out at Asher Racing. All right, Greg, the next one looks like a, a familiar wheel to you. Yeah, so Fanatec has posted on their Instagram. Yes, yeah, so their Instagram, or Instagram so that they, they have a McLaren Direct Drive bundle that they're uh, putting out uh, that's also compatible with the uh, Xbox, uh, as well as your PC. Um, I'm trying to find what's our price there for. I'm just trying to see if it came up. It's a CSL DD base. And there's actually two options. You, if you hit the uh, picture change, uh, one of them is it comes with the McLaren wheel and the pedals, the cheap Fanatec pedals. Um, and then the other one has the rally oval wheel. Uh, uh, so you can pick. Yeah. So it's basically... It's the off is what they're doing. Yeah. Okay. So it's just a, it's just they're showing the amount off. So then uh, they're basically offering the you know the two options here. Um, I love the McLaren GT3 wheel. Uh, it's my road wheel. It's been my road wheel since uh, the day I got it. Um, I have this WRC version of this wheel, but it's in the PlayStation version for the Fanatec. So I, I know what that one kind of is like too. But uh, they're both great options. It's basically a quick, quick uh, direct drive, you know, way to get to direct drive to start off with with a Fanatec. You get the uh, Fanatec uh, two pedal setup as well with it. Greg, do you use this uh, this uh, McLaren wheel on the road courses? Road courses, stock cars. What I meant to say. I think uh, we had this discussion the other night. I used to used the McLaren rim when I was on the old stock car, when we went to the new, um, the new gen for the, for an NIS, I've just kept with my, um, my oval wheel, my, my big NASCAR rim. Um, because I've been, I've been actually using the sequential shifter too from Fanatec and I, I never switched the paddles. So that the only reason I was using the uh, McLaren went back in the old cars when I wanted to race it with the paddles instead of doing the um, the gated shifter. We're just thinking about Fanatec 
and how much market share they've lost since 2020. Um, back to be before 2020, the, you know, everyone would get fan attack. I mean, that was the go-to. I mean, that's what, what David bought, what I bought, whatever. A lot of people bought. I and, bought. But nowadays, in 2023, I don't think Fanatec is the go-to wheel anymore. I really well, don't. I think, Mike, the difference too changed in the market where everyone wanted this because it was a it was a rim and base system, right? Where they kind of, you know, you had your quick release. It didn't need a cord or an extra plug-in. They all worked with the bases. So that's why people are doing it. You can have, you know, they have a lot of choices of rims. But it got to the point where all these direct drives came out and you can attach any rim you want in any configuration you want to any of these bases with all the, you know, third parties out there and, and, and the help in the marketplace. It just, it saturated the market where, you know, you got choices now. Whereas before it was, you know, Fanatec, it was only Fanatec and Logitech and Thrustmaster for the longest time. Well, look, I think Fanatec is behind the times because of their proprietary wheel system. When, just like you said, these other manufacturers let you put any wheel from any manufacturer on there, no problem. And that's a nice perk, you know, to not be locked into Fanatec wheels. I mean, like you said, you can go to the site nowadays and buy a Fanatec rim and attach it to a Moza uh, or Monza or whatever, the, the Moza direct drive or whatever. You, there's so many different attachments. You, you get what you want and you don't have to be, you know, this is the base I'm buying with the rim. I mean, if you really want to talk about what's behind times, it's Logitech and, and Thrustmaster. They're never... They haven't really gotten out of the, their their own way with, but they're being a they're being a basic company. Fanatec is now. Right. I would consider Fanatec being a mid company now, whereas you got the higher end um, direct drive companies out there that you know totally beat Fanatec in every aspect. Their customer service, like that's the other thing that's hurt Fanatec over COVID and everything too. Their their customer service was horrible. Like that's well, look, I that's I, one way I know a company fast. They have the Fanatec Podium Hub, which allows you to put external, you know, third-party wheels on a Fanatec base. And I ran that way for a long time with those Fanatec Podium Hubs, but they're expensive and and they had play in them. And and I think it, that's really what boils down to Fanatec's problem is they've been trying to put out a quick release for how many years now, and they still haven't put one out. And I think like. You know, we're going with their customer service. Their quality is not there either. You know, if you ask, you know, you ask David about his experience with his pe his pedals in a small company and what their quality was compared to probably dealing with. If you had to deal the same thing with Fanatec, it would, it's lights out. Fanatec's awful at trying to get. I, I don't want to bash them. I mean, I like my Fanatec stuff, but I, when I had to send my stuff in, it takes forever, and you're down for a long, long time unless you have a backup. I haven't. I haven't had terrible customer service with them now, and they actually took care of me really well when when they had to to back order the direct drives. I got a free rim out of it. So um, that being said, the email system is still a little slow. But like when I needed to replace the the pedals on my advanced pedal module, I was able to easily do that, even though it's not listed on the website anymore. I just emailed them and said, Hey, this broke. I know it's out of warranty, but I need this little part. And it cost me like nine bucks and they sent it to me. So I oh. have not had the same terrible experience. 
Justin, when you went and bought everything, was Fanatec part of the equation? Yes, because at that time I had been out of the. So I, like I said before many times, is I started in 2020, ran it for a year, then took a break until the start of this year, 2023, and I only was going through Fanatec because I was familiar with it from my first round because I wanted a Fanatec because I had the G923 or whatever it's called, so. But once I started to inform myself, SemiCube was the better buy. Right. Talking about better buys, I'll take this one, David. The Acetec Invicta bundle was sent to Mr. Matt Malone, iRacing streamer. You know, it makes me think, again, I should have done video YouTube reviews or been a streamer or done something besides a podcast so i could get one of these things for free but like he gets to keep it you know and, and they gave him the best one the 27 newton meter one uh with the led strips and everything and and he shows it off that the power supply is as long as the wheelbase he shows off those USB C powered hub and that's built into the back of it uh he shows off the new uh quick release with all the different pieces and extensions that come with it so jealous he shows off the pedals every he got the whole uh, shebang but it's a no-brainer for a company like Asatec. look let's just uh package up one of the these packages and send it off to this famous streamer for free and you know it's going to pay tenfold why because every day this guy races he's going to be showing off that equipment to his viewers and talking about it and that kind of thing so man it's like really cheap advertising you would think well we've got a decent following too they, they should be sitting we do and so in. yeah if anybody needs my address to send me a asatec wheel uh you're welcome to, to send that anyway no, matt really likes it yeah so far i do get to help kind of uh consult with SimuCube on their design not SimuCube. uh some coaches on their design as they're coming up with new things. That's a little handy. It's pretty cool. Mike, you got to take the next one too, because this is right up your alley. Yeah, some a listener sent this in on our that's Discord. That's inappropriate that's saying it's right up his alley. <laughs> this is a, a cooling system for the OMP seat. Now, an OMP seat is not cheap. These are really nice, real race car seats. And so if you happen to own one, you can buy an air cooling kit. And it's $369, and it consists of a, looks like a, a vacuum hose plugged into the back of the seat. Got a little thing to hook the hose right onto and so forth. My sim seat blows. So is this only for the OMP seats, or can you retrofit to fit different shells? It doesn't say, so I assume it's specific to the OMP. Yeah, well, it says, wait, it does say this. It says mounted on pre-drilled pre seat shell, and they put in parentheses all OMP, quote, air seat, quote. Okay. So you have to have a specific OMP air seat, I guess. This You could make this system on your own seat if you... Uh, if you you know wanted to modify your seats you're gonna have to well, have a way for the air to flow on the inside of the cushion or or it's gonna not mean anything yeah it's not like i'm gonna say it's a cheap modification 
Well, look at the design. Look at the picture, guys. Where the hose attaches, there's a plastic uh, piece that looks like it's almost glued to the back of the 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 seat, and it's got like a an, a thing that's sticking up, like a a little channel that's sticking up that zigzags down. And I'm guessing that the channel that kind of sticks out, that's where the airflow is going. So it comes through the hose, and the air flows up and down that channel cooling your lower back but i imagine on the other side of that piece of plastic the the seat must be open there must be a hole there so you can actually feel the air obviously i'm wondering if it runs around like david was saying like it runs through the seat and just keeps the actual cushion area cold that would be my guess it just blows on the cushion like it's an open gash in the seat and it's just blowing air against the cushioning but if you don't have a channel of air that can flow up and down the cushion, it's not going to cool very much of it up off. I can imagine trying to DIY this. You, you got a hacksaw and you're just start cutting. You end up with cutting your dang seat in half. Aren't they fiberglass shells? That's that's not so fun to DIY with. Well, finally, uh, at least you could buy this in the United States. So that other uh, Eau Rouge cool seat is only available in Europe. Well, it is, a, is it is a cool idea for sure. Um, Brian, we talked a bit about it last week that uh, Carl Gosling did not, was not impressed last week at the Pimax. Or maybe it wasn't last week, but I remember us covering it. He says there's a firmware, or the article here says there's a firmware update and software. And uh, has it solved some of the problems? Um, actually, yes, it has solved a lot of his problems that he had as far as the firmware and software ish, issues that he had, where he was having an issue where, um, like, it was only it would only recognize the headset and no other USBs. Uh, so he lost the ability to use all of his other USB ports on his computer when he had this thing on. Um, so it, it like fixed that. Like a keyboard that. and a mouse? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was crazy. So um, he did say that the firmware update and software update did fix a lot of those major problems that he had. So um, he was pretty happy with that, but he still had um, he still had the issues of the um, just the size size of it, the balance, the weight of it was stuff that he didn't like. And of course, software and firmware aren't going to fix those issues. Again. A really nice screen, very clear. Um, it's it's um it's really a really good display. But his problem was more at this point now that the software and firmware have been fixed. It's still with just the physical aspects of the headset more than anything. He said, "Sim and flight, it's okay because you're sitting, you're not moving around. Right. Other this titles and games in VR probably wouldn't work." Yeah, it's part of the reason is um, he was having tracking issues with uh, with the hand with the hand controllers. So you know, if your hand controllers aren't tracking correctly, then things like uh, positions of holding weapons and stuff like that in his first person shooter games that he was working just didn't work right. Um, I did see um, a recent video on uh, MRTV, Mixed Reality TV, that um, you can get a replacement faceplate with that that works with the um, with the uh, base stations that the Valve Index has, and that might fix some of the tracking issues. But you know, it was like a two hundred sixty dollar part just to you know to replace the front faceplate of it. So. It's not, you know, you're spending an extra 250 almost $300 just to get it to track well. 
Well, kind of like you said in the original video, you spend all this money on a new product, you expect it to work, you know, and to have to do these workarounds and different things to make things work. Yeah, just not a fan of that. Right. And if the software and firmware is not ready to be sent out, you know, if it's not up to date, they shouldn't send out the product until that stuff is ready to go. It seems like they, they might have rushed it a little bit. Yeah, one quote was 99% uh, reliable now on one PC as far as the USB and plugging it in and being recognized, and only 70% on his other PC. Now, the first video, I think he was at like 10% on one and 0% on the other. So they have resolved or, or at least made it better. I don't know if it sounds resolved, but it, they certainly made it better. Well, it's interesting. This kind of almost makes me a little bit nervous based on the next article because the old standby, I guess, now of the Reverb G2 might be going away. It's a post we have from Mark Delusk asking what alternatives we might have because the rumors are that HP is leaving the market. They're out. Yeah, that's the rumor. I haven't seen that it's been confirmed yet, but um, there have been rumors about that HP is going to be getting out of the VR market. Well, they stopped selling it, right? Is that what somebody said? Um, I think you can still get it right now because somebody's telling him that you know you might want to buy an extra one just to have it set aside. So his his problem was that his his died on him and he couldn't get it to work. He bought a second one and he still had the same problem. So he changed the cord and found out that the cord was his problem. But this was just. This was just like, you know, if, if this thing doesn't work, what's, what are my options other than the HP um, G, Reverb G2? And, um, you know, if you're, not will, if you're not able to spend tons of money on these headsets, there, are, there isn't a whole lot of options. Maybe the Quest, um, the newest Quest one is okay. Um, there's the new one, the Pico, which is, uh, I heard good things about the Pico. Um, even the... Um, the big screen, uh, big screen one, which is that real small one, looks like just big sunglasses. Might be options, but uh, they all have their individual drawbacks. The G2 was a pretty solid for the most part. Other than the cord, seemed to be a problem for a lot of people. But um, yeah, it, it was. It's my daily driver. I have a backup already, just in case. But um, hopefully, hopefully, I don't have to buy one anytime soon. If I do, it's going to be because somebody made a, a headset that's just so good and, and and so affordable that I can't can't turn it down you know I, I don't think they're going to be affordable anymore that's they're because they're so advanced it's tough in that market I think people's backup plans now might just they might just be going to triple monitors or or the big widescreens nowadays I don't VR is kind of I love the VR and don't get me wrong I, I I'm back racing in VR um but i don't know vr markets kind of it's stalling out that's the nature thing. abhors a vacuum up. sorry nature abhors a vacuum if if the price niche gets abandoned it'll eventually get filled um the quest is terrible you have to use a battery the pimax is too expensive so something will come in and fill that spot if there's a demand Right. Well, and the Same Apple one's going to be really expensive too, isn't it? Oh, that's ridiculous. Three thousand. Yeah. If I was buying right a, now in VR, I, I like the big screen. Was that what it's called? Big screen. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, that's the one I would be looking at if I was buying VR. But personally, I'm I'm not ever going to do VR. I don't think. Um, with my the way my eyes are and different things, and I don't know. I, the way it's so hot here in Arizona, there's just no way. So I'm gonna eventually. You know, my goal is to get bigger triples. That's what I'm gonna go do. Standalone big triples. Mike, your mic just went red or went dead. Okay. How about uh, no, now? That's there. Yeah. That was weird. It still showed you as green transmitting, but you, the last part of your sentence cut out. Yeah. But, you know, it, you said you're going to get three bigger monitors. You'll probably spend as much on three quality monitors as some of these real high-end heads too, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Maybe It's maybe going to be a big cost. but Especially when you put the, the graphics mounting. Too. Yeah, the graphics card and the mounting options. All the hardware. The good thing is, if having an eighty twenty, he should be able to adapt for the mounting of them at least. Yeah, you know, right now it's integrated triples, and I would have to remove that, and then I have the PC tray behind it that would have to go. But that's pretty much it, and so it'd be a pretty quick modification. All right, we have another hardware review. Justin, pick this one up. It's uh, it's the SimLab MPX. Yeah, David, uh, Boost Media reviews the grid by SimLab MPX wheel. And he says in the video, I haven't caught it all, but he says in the video that this might give Lewis Hamilton PS, PSTD, if I said that right. But yeah. Well, I think he's referring to Lewis Hamilton, apparently famously accidentally hit a button on his wheel and killed his race or something. Yeah, he has a button for when he does his burnouts that puts the brake bias all the way to the front so he can, coming to the grid, he can smoke the rear tires. And at Azerbaijan, he had that engaged when he went into the first corner and he had all front brake, no rear brake, and that's not how an F1 car will stop. And he went, he blew the corner. So, yeah, it has a button, I think, on the back that he was referring to that could be like that. But accidentally hit i think that was one drawback on this but really lots of positives on this video man i like this wheel too i mean he compared it to the asher v3 he compares it to um the vrs wheel uh that was at a thousand uh he compares it to the one i have uh, cube controls and the cheaper one the f pro cube controls um he compared it to the gomez wheel without the monitor uh, so there's a bunch of different wheels in this price point. This one's a little, you know, uh, I think a thousand. And um, but the quality on this, I, you know, Will can't say more about the quality on this wheel. I mean, he he had nothing really bad to say except you. He always complains about that one kind of grip that is kind of sticky and picks up debris easily and dirt and debris. It has that kind of grip. Other than that, there was nothing that he really didn't like about it. It's got the encoders, thumb encoders, top and bottom, while the VROS wheel doesn't have them on the top. And so he was comparing them to other wheels and how it, this one is, checks all the boxes, so to speak. The LED integration is great, uh, of course, with SimHub driving it you can practically do anything you want with the leds well we're going to keep hitting oh go ahead 
Well, one more thing to, to, in summary, if you're trying to buy a wheel right now that without a monitor on it, good luck to you because there's a lot of choices and they're all great choices. I mean, the, the, the Asher wheel, all these that I just mentioned, including this one, um, you're not going to go wrong. I mean, you could pick any one of these and I would say great buy. I, I really would. Uh, like we were talking about before, it's the marketplace is so crazy now with the possibilities and mixing and matching. It, it's it makes it better for. I mean, like you do, Mike. You do a lot of research when you go in to go buy something like this. It would you know trying to find which wheel you want would take you forever uh, in this bracket um, for what you want. I mean, if I was buying today, this one would probably make the top two. This grid by engineering, uh, grid by uh, SimLab is what it's called. Grid by SimLab. I just like looking at every thing he tests in this video. Like all those rims are so nice. Yeah, he keeps bringing up the other rims to compare them, you know, and show them off. Uh, and and so, you know, what's the difference? Contrast, compare. So. It's a great video if you're if you're in the market for a wheel like this. And as we continue down the uh, rim row, this isn't just a rim. It's a Moza R12 wheelbase that also has the KS steering wheel bundle package. Uh, and this one's, is this on Boosted Media's page as well? No, this is a sim racing din, actually. And uh, he, yeah, he's got the whole bundle. He goes over it, uh, the quick release. Wow, you know, this was neat to see Moza. Now, we don't see Moza as often as we see some of the Asetech recently. I think Asetech has a better marketing department, perhaps, but Moza's got it going on, guys. I mean, they're, they, they have all kinds of different bases at different Newton meters, depending on which one you want. As other people have said, the 12 is like the sweet spot. That's like just enough, but not too much. If you're looking for affordability and budget, 12 is the way to go, not the nine, you know. On this video, I really can't find a good, I can't find a good back view of the wheel, so I can't tell if it, what its pedal situation is. Um, he liked the wheel. Um, and overall, you know, it was a thumbs up for sure. Okay, I found the back view. It does have dual clutch. I always check for that now. That, that's a must yeah. on the formula rim. And it does have thumbing quarters up along the top. Like you're saying there, David, I think every rim should, like, if you're going to buy one, it should have it. It shouldn't be something you attach later on. I think that's where um, Fanatec went wrong with some of their stuff, but it was, you know, new to the market, too. Well, since you said, Fan since you said Fanatec, Greg, uh, tell us about the next Fanatec item. So they have uh, announced a price drop on their DD1 Podium direct drive wheelbase uh, and formula. Isn't this the kind of? Oh no, this is the this is the more expensive ones compared to what we were talking about, wasn't it, Mike? Isn't this isn't the same Instagram post in that letter form, is it? No, no. The previous one was the DD1. Uh, excuse me, no, the CSL DD, and this okay, is the older DD1. So they're so they've dropped it two hundred euros. Uh, down to uh, just under a thousand dollars, euros. And this is not the first drop because it was originally sitting around fifteen. And then I guess they have the Formula Xbox One uh, at twelve hundred, which saves you uh, seven or four hundred seventy-nine euros. 
um, that one includes the podium wheelbase direct drive uh, club sport steering wheel formula v2.5 x and the podium advanced pa uh, paddle module that formula v2.5 is that the one you have david i have the or a version uh, of it i have the formula with the podium attachment i don't remember what version it is i have the podium formula wheel with the dd1 anyway this is what I, I was kind of thinking we were talking about all these products do we get much in the sim world of a price job or does another product replace something so that there is no price? like i was wondering if if these bases from um the direct drive bases have really you know gone down in price at all or it's just another company comes in at a lower price and kind of takes that part marketplace up like you were saying david um, there's, there's just more competition plain and simple there's more competition that's going to drive prices down there's no longer just two direct drive companies in the market so they're going to have to come down i still think that's way too expensive for theirs you, you, give up. you got new people coming in and they, they're looking at buying stuff and they, they listen to people like me and I'm going to tell them, don't buy this. I buy the one we just talked about, uh, uh, one up at Moza. Get the Moza system. Get the Asetech system. Get the SimiCube system. I would tell somebody to pick all three of those before I would tell them to get a Fanatec DD1. Kind of give reference, you know, Mike asked me if I considered Fanatec on my new build here, and this was the exact one, the DD1. But at the start of the year, the semi-cube, um, the middle one that I got, I forget what it's called. And Pro. Pro. And the DD1 were the same price at 1200 maybe 11 well, that's a no-brainer then yeah, the Fanatec maybe was 1150 but it, they were really, really close. Yeah, I kind of have a bitter taste in my mouth from by DD1 where the I would drop the force feedback in the middle of a race and wreck. And yeah, it was crazy. I always remember that. You're like, oh, force feedback's gone. Middle of the race. Well, imagine you're in Daytona and you're, you're turning the wheel with force in the corner. And then all of a sudden that force is gone. And you're like, oh, you know, your hands, you know, your arms you're used to holding it a certain way and then the car just goes crazy in your rack. Yeah, it's crazy. All right, Mike, let's start talking NIS results. All right. Well, let's talk uh, NASCAR iRacing series. Finish up the Glen. Friday open, I qualified 13th. I was car number 20. Finished P12. Uh, got what I deserved, pretty much. Uh, kept it on the track. Didn't spin um, like I did the previous uh, attempts. And so I felt pretty good about it, but it was a higher split and got some decent points. David, DNF. Yeah, this is really one of those where I really shouldn't have raced. I was exhausted from that first week of school. And um, yeah, I... Uh, just wasn't driving very smart or well and just put it in the wall and the S's and uh, went to bed. <laughs> I, just did, I really didn't actually feel so good. Right. And then Greg, you were in my split. I never even saw you on track. P2. Yeah, I qualified 
somewhere in the top 10, I can't remember. And uh, the whole week of racing, I was off last week, and any of the Irish races I raced at the Glen, it just, it's gotta be the first for me. I, I didn't have any mistakes. I literally raced all week without, I had a couple off tracks by like just going wide and getting a 1X, but I never had any mistakes in any of the races. I just got the finish wherever I was running the lap times that I was. And this one too, I, I went in the pits. I remember the reason I got P2 is I went in the pits two laps before the guy that was in front that was in P2. And uh, I came out and I just had some blistering laps when I came out of the pits. And I leapfrogged him by a second. And I maintained that second gap the whole rest of the, after the pit stop. Um, never was ca catching, uh, uh, was it Myron? Myron was in our split. He was on rails whenever he was out front. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I had a great race and um, I had a really good week at, really good two weeks at road courses. I shared my finishes at the road courses and uh, I, uh, I feel like I did pretty good for not racing the last six weeks before that. Oh, I wanna, I wanna mention that Myron Shelley, he's an alien, dude. He was running one ten o for like his fast laps right at the end. I, I mean, he almost had a one o nine. I mean, he was like one, he was right there at the one o nines. The guy is fast, and I, Greg, I wanted to ask you, where if if he his road I rating was pure, what I rating would he be? Well, if it was just stock car racing. It would be up higher, it'd be you know the five or six thousand range. But who knows right, what he's like? Who knows what he's like in general and any other car? Like I can run really good in you know I probably shouldn't be around the fifteen to eighteen hundred range in in it either. I was I was in the one tens, but um, I raced Myron on Thursday afternoon as well, and he finished P eight in top split with guys like. Uh, Busa and uh, a bunch of heavy hitters in it. Um, and I finished only, I think it was only 12 seconds behind him in that race. I don't know if he had an issue or something, but it just, you know, some races he was 50 seconds ahead and some races he went, maybe when he was mired in traffic, we just had better, you know, more consistent lap times with him. But um, definitely um, he's a great racer on road courses and, uh, um, I've, I think we've seen him now all season. Every time a road course comes up, I think I've raced him every every split. And, and I remember Chicago, he lapped the field almost. But anyway, uh, I raced him on an oval race and, and he's pretty average on oval. Uh, I, I beat him on the oval, but, uh, but not on the road, that's for sure. All right, let's I, move on uh, to Sunday Open. Yeah, oh, just just before you, I do want to say that the last two weeks also at road courses, my I rating has gone from like, I think it was fourteen fifty to almost two thousand on road. Whoa! All right, Sunday Open, David. Uh, well, first Tom Dryling P eight, and uh, he continues the point lead over me for the week. Uh, it was eighty eight point lead at the end of the week. David Hall P nine. 
Yeah, and he actually forgot to put his position in, but I happened to know where it was because he was running behind me the whole race. And then I went to pit, and it said, you're too far to the right. You know, because you have to pit, we pit backwards here, and I was I was too close and had to back up and get back in the box, and that gave the that gave the spot up to him. I I spotted him about seven seconds and finished one second behind him. So, um, one spot. Oh well, um, it was interesting. A guy, I was catching him that fast, and he caught two lap cars, and the, one of the lap cars cussed him out for trying to pass them when when he's getting caught on the lead lap. So. And yeah, that guy got processed. So, hope he didn't cuss. Sunday fix, Justin, B <laughs> five. Yeah, um, I started thirtieth. Uh, I'm horrible at road racing. Oval, I can compete. I get in a race. I think I'm going to win. Road racing is a different story. I just start in the back. I finally did a clean run. I got comfortable passing cars, and. Um, my fastest was a 12-1, if that tells you anything. Averaged at 13-0. One of these days, I'll be putting up Greg laps, so. Greg's was like a 110-9 was your fastest, maybe? 110-8? I ran a 10-6 in the Thursday afternoon race, but I think in that one for P2, I think a 10-8 was all I could get. I think my best was a 111-6. So you're you're getting close, Justin. You you got to find a little bit more there. Good run though. Um, let's move on to Daytona uh, Wednesday Open. I ran P15. I had some lucky breaks and missed a bunch of wrecks throughout the race. I couldn't believe all the wrecks I was missing. I was leading on the outside lane, P2 on the green white checker. The guy behind me. Uh, decided to go going down the back stretch. Decided to shove it in the middle and turn my ass. Uh, he, uh, you know, I, w I was leading the outside lane and I wasn't trying to side draft. I was up against the wall or, you know, fairly close to the wall. And yeah, I was leaving the middle open. I was thinking he was going to push me, you know, onto the checker. But uh, yeah, he wanted to win real bad and he wrecked me and himself. So P15. David, P9. Yeah, this is definitely one that got away. I was on the last restart. I was lined up on the outside front row and uh, I had two Madsen guys behind me pushing and was doing my best to side draft and not get too close to the wall and keep the inside row uh, bound up. And it's at one point, all of a sudden, the the Madsen guy pushing me swings on out to the outside and from my perspective it looked like he just completely abandoned me before i even got a chance to get on the discord and start really kind of fussing um he said dude I, I i swear i thought you were going to the low line and he showed me he showed me his replay right off the bat and from his view it does look like i turned left because he kind of got tight and slid up so uh we're, we're square i understand what happened but and because i got hung in the hung, hung out to dry in the middle there because I wasn't expecting it to go high, and I was just able to side draft almost unsafely to hang on to ninth to finish it. So, had a shot at that one. Um, so, but uh, it, I'm starting to figure out how, with this package, to to read the lines and see which one's going to move forward. Because there is no three wide here. You just have to pick which guy, which line is moving faster, find a hole, and start kind of sneaking your way up. And boy, you, you, I mean, if you're leading that outside lane on the white, 
you're, you're Joey Logano. You got a block. I mean, uh, you're going to get past. They're hung out. Like, you got hung out. I got hung out. We were both leading uh, on the outside lane. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's what we got to fix to win these races. All right, Justin, you had a P10. Yeah, uh, I stayed clean the first half, first half of the race. Uh, just got caught up in a mess. As is a guy being dumb. Uh, took three minutes of damage. Uh, took about ten laps to go till I got right, till I got my car right, and um, just took advantage of some checkups on the green white checkered. I think I started, God, I was fifteenth or something like that, and. Um, yeah, I plussed up for that. It was uh, my highest strength of field. I think I got to 3.1. So I plussed up in IR, so I, I couldn't complain. All right, keep stacking them up. Tony Rochette, P9. Typical plate race, got stuck behind a Logano and a flaming Gordon car, got my ass kicked like Terry Funk in Roadhouse as they wrecked. Made the mistake of staying out when I should have gotten my minute damage fixed fell six to 23rd we got a lucky caution and got damage fixed and went from 19th to 9th on the white chris waldron p2 <laughs> best finish of everyone uh was spun on lap 16 and went a lap down got the lucky dog and rode the high line on a green white checker to finish second great thursday open uh tony and i ran I ran and I got a P3. Man, I was so close. I was top 10 most of the race. I made a bad move with about 10 to go to the middle and I got hung out. Made my way back up there. Uh, so on the final green white checker, I was fifth uh, coming to the checker. The top three were kind of up ahead of us and me and fourth were together. Uh, the top three wrecked. Uh, Tony was actually spotting for me at the time, uh, and with his help, I was able to miss them and get a couple spots and went from fifth to third. I had a little bit of nose damage uh, for that final restart, so I knew I, w I wasn't in contention to win. So to be able to, you know, bring home a top three, I'll take it. Tony Rochette, he got a P11. It was all over the place. Thought I had. The whole world in my hand, but had a green flag wreck avoidance. Had screwed up my top five run and had to follow some buzzards as we lagged behind the main pack. Definitely uh, fiending for a win this year. All right, other racing that we ran official. I ran the final week of the 15th anniversary uh, series to try to uh, win a prize. I ran the late model stock car at USA International. Started dead last, uh, finished ninth. I actually got spun from uh, behind at one point. Some guy drove through me. Uh, we ran some A open as practice. David, P1, winner. Yeah, about time, eh? Um, I got the lead from the outside by perfectly anticipating the restart. Uh, the inside guy decided to wait all the way to the end of the restart zone so when we got to the end of the restart zone i i put hit the throttle right as it said green flag and actually pulled ahead of him right as we started to go and uh held that we didn't actually get to go all the way to the checkered in fact and as i, I held the lead long enough before yellow came out again and took the win and it's actually the first oval win of the year right i had uh 
FPS issue and a DNF in A open my first attempt. So I got into the race, you know, I don't practice. So I just fire up the computer and register and jump in. Qualifying was okay, grid up, get out for the green and I have 15 FPS, 15. And it's so bad, I we go into turn one, I feel like I'm gonna wreck the field. I'm, I, I see myself right against the first, the bottom lane. I see myself up against the wall. I'm in the middle. I'm like, oh shit, I'm gonna wreck everybody on the first lap. So I basically kind of edged it up into the wall and let it slide into the wall and let everybody go by. So I experimented with turning down the graphic settings and going back on track and to see if I could fix it. I couldn't figure anything out. I relaunched the sim, I closed it, I relaunched it, nothing. I turned the computer off and rebooted the computer and re-went into the sim, same problem. I have the graphic slider thing turned all the way down to like the minimum computer spec with the highest frame rate and I'm still only getting 15 frames per second. I'm exasperated, I put it in the chat. Bobby Jonas says, hey, Turn off the computer, unplug it from the wall, wait a little bit and try again. Guess what, it worked. Don't know why, but uh, the fact of literally unplugging it from the wall um, fixed whatever problem I had. I relaunched into the game. I was like 50 laps down or something at that point, but it, uh, it worked. But meanwhile, I had nuked all my settings uh, in graphics, you know, cause I was in a panic and and so ever since then i've been trying to get it going again so that killed my uh, i rating for sure i finished literally dead last the second attempt uh on the next day i got a, a round top, top 10 it was a green flag stop uh, came out second as we near the end with about 10 to go i was first in line on the outside and i literally got dumped from behind I had a meatball, was able to stay on the lead lap and finish P16. All right, other racing, that's it. So let's jump to final thoughts, David Hall. All right, we're thinking about getting into the merch business, yeah? So we've got a site that we think we're going to handle that kind of gives us very little overhead. They handle everything, and you, you can, you'll, you may be able to order direct from them soon. So I'm deep into the research now and trying to make sure I don't uh, back us into a corner when I make the pick. But we, we think it's going to be where you can buy them direct. Uh, we got some designs from Bobby already out uh, that all look pretty cool. And uh, so stand by. We may even have a special uh, 400th episode shirt coming out as well. Yeah, that's coming soon. Yeah, I'm in discussions with the uh, owner of this company uh, by email. He's kind of asking us, how many orders do you think will be placed initially? And he wants a number just so he can reference what kind of business we're going to bring. And so uh, I think in the I did a poll in the chat of our team, and and I also did it in our Discord channel for the podcast. And I, I think we have like seven or eight people interested so far. So if anybody listening to this, listeners, are you interested in getting a iRacers Lounge hat, a shirt, uh, a jersey? They look great. Trust me, uh, they're going to be affordable. 
if you're interested, get in the Discord and, and give me a shout uh, so I can just add you to the list. The more, the higher the number we get, the better the price that everyone will get to pay. And so uh, if we can give them a nice big number, uh, that'll be good for everybody. Should we tweet it out too, Mike? Yeah. Once once I settle on, once David and I settle on everything, the company and all, I think we'll get it a little more public. Absolutely. I was just saying, like, just to get a more reference from, you know, it's an easier place for a lot of our, I mean, our listeners can go to the Discord too, but a lot of listeners, they can quickly from their phones, if they're listening during the day, they could go to our, our Twitter page and kind of put a response. Yeah, pretty exciting. And so part of the idea of getting the merch going is whoever wins fantasy is going to get some merch. All right, Greg Hectus, final thought. Uh, not much here. Just trying to get the show wrapped up before this uh, huge storm that's coming through that uh, I keep getting warnings on my phone ruins it. So, um, but uh, looking forward to racing Daytona tomorrow night and Sunday morning. And uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll see you guys on track. All right. Brian McCubbin, final thoughts. So, uh, let's see. So went to practice two Sundays ago for my OBRL race in the morning. And, uh, I, I keep having problems with my computer crashing with the game crashing. And, uh, just, I couldn't, I couldn't even do a test session more than like 15 minutes and it would crash. Um, so I, at that point, I thought I had tried everything except for doing the, the big old wipe, and that's what I did. So I completely re rebooted my computer from the ground up. Um, had to reinstall all those peripheral stuff that I have, um, to re-download iRacing, all that stuff, redo all of my settings, you know, just reset everything up from the ground up. Um, I've been using it for the past three or four nights and knock on wood, I've not had any more issues. So I don't know if I caught like a, a, a bug or, or something went wrong, but knock on wood, everything's working better now. So hopefully I'll get back into some races again. It was terrible. I, 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 I was the last, uh, last URL race I was in. I, I dropped out two separate times and, you know, I just, I got DFLs and all those, um, and uh, it was just awful. But I think rebooting everything fixed the problem. So, knock on wood, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have no more issues with that. Oh, it is frustrating. When I had that FPS problem, I was, God, do I need to buy a computer now? You know, mm -hmm. I don't have the money right now. You all know, that's, it's just like, all what that am stuff, I gonna do? <laughs> all that stuff goes through your mind. It's like, all right, how much I'm gonna put out for a new computer now? And it's unfair. It's a year old computer. It's not like a dinosaur or nothing. So uh, it was very frustrating. But I think I think I got it working now. Well, the frustrations when you run out of ideas and you're sitting there like, okay. The only thing I can think of is to buy new stuff, you know, <laughs> and thank God, uh, you know, that's what is the beauty of being on a team and having friends and you can ask questions. You, you know, I was, I would have been stuck. I would have never thought of unplugging the damn computer from the wall. There's no way I would ever come up with that without Bobby. So thank you, Bobby. You saved the day. Justin Pearson, final thought. I'm glad we're back on ovals. I got my confidence back. Uh, just going to try this NIS race once we wrap up the pod and, and see if we can't get a win. 
Yeah, fixed is coming up in 12 minutes, isn't it? Well, maybe I'll, I won't, I have to eat dinner, so I'm going to miss it, but maybe I'll spot for you. Maybe I'll jump in and spot. Uh, all right, my final thought, man, Daytona, I'm used to winning. And uh, I, I wasn't sure about my confidence coming into the week, but I seem to got it back after my P3 and leading the outside lane on the white, you know, multiple times this week. You know, I'm in position to win. I just got to close the deal. Um, but that P3 got me some great points. I was car number 17. I've actually closed the point lead on Tom to 37 points from almost 90. Um, so we'll see how Tom runs uh, the next couple of events. Uh, throughout this week and see if he can pick up any more and we'll see if I can get a win tomorrow night. I'm definitely going to go for a win and see if I can increase that point lead or that point gap. Um, and with that, hey, we'll see you on the track. Later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go to subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.